kid. Hi, everybody. It is Brian Eisenberg. I am here with Chad Longworth, who describes himself as a curiosity junkie. It's and true. It, it's definitely true. I've seen it. And um, a coach and a player development expert. You work with both hitters and pitching, softball, uh, baseball. You're also the developer of uh, my son Sammy's favorite uh, warm-up tool, the spinner. You might have famously seen him spinning two at once in some of Chad's ads, so we're a big fan of that. But today I want to talk about hitting because there's a couple of things that are, are real issues for parents. And I want to start from the, let's start from the back end forward and then we'll address how we deal with this. Let's start it from the recruiting point. So lots of kids out there putting up videos of them taking either T-swings or there's some front toss and you watch them and the front toss and they're just spinning out to get their max exit velo. And you and I both love hit tracks. There's some benefits to it. Yep. But are people playing the wrong game? And is that why they're not getting the attention of coaches? So, yeah. Un, it's a bit to unpack and, and this is something i think about a lot is with parents like educating parents on what is the main question that that we should ask and i think it gets presented to them and packaged to them in a way that you're not answering the main question which is can you hit in the game like the actual game when the ball is flying at you the pitch may be you're looking for a fastball and you may get a curveball and you may swing at it. Do you have the, the physical tools, the physical traits to compete when it matters the most? I love hit tracks. It's, it's a great tool. I love that swing speed sensors. I've got hack motion. I have 40 motion. The K vest, all this is great information gathering stuff. But you got to answer the right question, which is, can I hit when the game starts? That's my entire existence as a hitting person is it matters in the game. So when we practice, we need to try to get to what the game presents as quickly as possible and work from there. Not we have to develop this idealized style or set of mechanics that someone else has deemed optimal for me they don't know me they don't know my strength they don't know my mobility they don't know my visual skills me personally I look back and gen genetically genetics certainly plays a role but my grandfather was a blue angel fighter pilot like one of the best fighter pilots in the world at the time he lived and so i gotta believe like genetically i'm more pre you know predisposed to tracking objects and mm -hmm. the things that hitters do which probably aided me really well in my journey as a player i think today i'm i'm as cl much closer to where i was as a player people you know, try to coach like they were a player in just developing the visuals skills tools the the motor skills tools the the and, and just attacking the problem as it is, which is, what's this going to look like in a game? 
I, I don't know how in depth you want to go with that, but that's really the central question is, how does this get me to the game presents? We'll, we'll unpack it more, but I think that's the point you're trying to say. It's like when, when a coach is looking at people going to these showcases and taking that yep. back off of, off of a tee for Max Exit that swing they know does not play in the game. Yeah. You and I will both agree. Max power, max bat speed, great. Important. Great. Like, we want yep. that. But that's not the game swing. In fact, I know I've read that most hitters will talk about swinging at about 70% effort level. Because they're really trying to get we'll find control. an effort level that's, that allows for accuracy. Typically, 100% plus doesn't lend itself to being the most accurate back-to-ball skills that you can have, but you're right. Yeah, that's true. So is there an ideal swing? Because I think a lot of parents spend a lot of money as an industry going to hitting lessons and stuff like that, where the majority of the time is spent on mechanical work. Right. Is there such a thing as an ideal? Oh, here's the thing. I was talking to one of my friends actually about this last night. As the industry, as the parents, as people that are all mechanics first approaches are flawed because you don't attack the problem by a predetermined set of mechanics anyway, because we don't know what the problem is going to present. And so I like on the internet how all these different people attack each other with their own mechanics first philosophies. So, oh, you guys are the same. This is the same thing. You were the same person. You just think your mechanics first philosophy may be better than this mechanics first philosophy. And we aren't tagging the central problem, which is the ball is going to be flying at you and you have to find a way to arrive on time, arrive with speed and try to be give or take within the, the downward flight of the ball as early as possible, as long as possible. So is there an idealized, perfect way to do that? Yes, for every individual there is, but I don't know what that's going to take for them. In a central, in a, in attacking the problem, the fundamental understanding of practice design is each individual has their own optimal way to self-organize. Or self-organize. Caleb Abney said that in my podcast was, Self-organization is happening as a coach, whether you believe it or not, whether you recognize it or not, self-organization will always be happening. And so designing task challenges and environmental constraints, I mean, people that listen to this, we don't need to go real in depth into the origins of that, but the ecological dynamics and the constraint-led approach aspect allows for the hitter and whoever they're seeing because if I go to this idealized style coach, if I live in Austin mm -hmm. and there's this guy in Austin who's got the swing, perfect. But what if I don't live in Austin? What if I live, am I, can I not, am I not going to be a good hitter? And so understanding that, look, like you have an optimal swing for you. You have an optimal feel, you have an optimal, but it's got to have speed and it's got to be on time and it's got to, try to swing plane is it's pitch to pitch thing 
so if you look at the, if you take the whole snapshot of the, what a swing plane is or what ball angles are, if they fit within a window. We, you're, you're, you're notorious for building leverage. If I'm in a window over time, then I've just got enough bandwidth to create positive batted ball outcomes, hard hits. That goes with speed too. I'm not going to hit the center of the barrel every time, no matter which guru. You're just not going to do it because there's lots of skills that go into hitting a moving pitch at speed, which might be a curveball or a 2-0 changeup, God forbid. They should outlaw. As we're changing the rules of baseball, we ought to ban those things. If we're going to move the mound back and all these other things, just ban 2-0 changeups or 3-1 changeups. Quit that. Throw a heater. <laughs> Let me hit it. That, that, would, that would help. Here. Yeah. It's about building out this, this set of traits and tools over time that are going to allow you the most bandwidth and opportunities to maximize batter ball outcomes across contact qualities of any kind. You say you brought up swinging at 70%. If I train at 70%, 70% comes 100%. Correct. And so we have to train at times. Minimums become maximums. Right. And so it's like why the swing speed sticks are such an important tool for us because how often do hitters take a thing in their hands and swing it to a point where I'm about to fall down because it's not the most, so we just don't even hit balls that way. We just swing that way. It, it's a lot like driving, right? Like I can rev up the engine to, to the max it's available to open it up. And I want to do that as an athlete. Doesn't mean depending on what part of the road I'm on, Right. Especially today here in Austin where I've got ice everywhere, I, I, I got to throttle it back a little bit just to make sure yeah. I can be on plane depending yeah. on the yeah. problem I'm trying to solve. That is really important to like dot, to be able to dial it back, but you can't practice dot. You can't practice dialing it back much. You always have to operate in practice at a intention level and a, with a purpose that's higher than maybe what you'll operate in a game. Because you can't operate because 70% comes 100% and that's not going to help you build out bandwidth and leverage to have positive batted ball outcomes on a variety of pitch conditions. It's just so, it's so, there's so many variables from pitch to pitch, from game to game, from whatever, month to month. It's so, there can't be one way. There just can't be. Because if you believe that, then you're just not attacking the problem for what it is. So let, let me ask you this, and, and we, we may get flamed for this one, okay? I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, if we look at, like, the Dominicans, and I've got, you know, a friend who's, who's training and, and posting his videos with his kids up in one of the small little cities in the Dominican Republic. He's got a group of kids yep. he works with. And you look at some of the be best hitters out there today, and then you go back and you look at some of the old timers who were significantly better hitters, not better power hitters, but significantly better hitters. We have definitely better batting average for most and all that. Right. I, I think I, I see a couple of commonalities among their and what the traditional like kid today in high school is doing to develop their skills. So when I look at like older hitters and I look at the Dominicans, 
it's not just about the hour multiple times a week in a cage with baseballs. Yeah. They'll do vitia, right? They'll, they'll, they'll go ahead and they'll swing at bottle caps, wiffle yeah. balls. They'll swing rotten baseballs and softballs and socks and they'll swing at little peas and, and lima beans. They're constantly attacking different things with broomsticks, with bat, with baseball bat, what, with with older kids baseball bats. Yeah, it's completely irrelevant what they're swinging with. When I was growing up, we had kids playing in the street all the time. There was always a wiffle ball game. There was always yeah. a, a stick ball game. We were always problem solving for hitting in one way or another in varying ways. And so, we talked earlier about you know how great the brain is at this vision thing and calculating these things. Yep. Do you think there's a correlation between the way that a lot of these Dominicans are training now and the way, we, you know, old timers used to train and, and, and get their reps versus the fact that the kids today in the typical high schooler is maybe getting an hour a week in the cage, maybe shared. And that's the only hitting that he's probably trying to solve. Right. No, I think you're, I think you're a hundred percent. I think that, I think the biggest thing that we rob youth players of today is the, just the unfiltered, organic, like self, they, or you organize the game in the street. An adult didn't do that. This, the Never. discovery of the game, we don't, kids today, they never get opportunities i won't say never but it's very few and far between much less than it has been in the years past where they discover the game without a coach without an adult without somebody instructing them there and what to do or how to do it or whatever this is in all sports this is how we it's what we do in america we turned it into a business and it's filled with people gatekeepers of knowledge or whatever we're in the Dominican. I think they spend a lot of developmental years playing organically with each other. You know, they, they're trying to have fun and problem solve and, and do all these things. And so I think that's, I think that's a big difference in the Dominican. And to your point of, of practice habits, I think that one of the most important things that baseball presents, because it's such, especially hitting, throwing too, but it's such a hard. People say, it's the hardest thing to do in all sports yet they practice design in such a elementary and easy way it's, that's not flips, the point. flips and tees are not going to do it the hardest skill in sport but this is how we're going to attack it that's not my point my point is if if you're going to attack such a hard skill the number one habit that you can learn in that skill plus that's going to be important to you in the rest of your life is just the daily habit of trying to attack the problem not one hour a week not you would be better off to do it's like brushing your teeth i use this analogy a lot you can brush your teeth one hour you can go all week not brush your teeth and then sunday brush your teeth for an hour or you can like brush your teeth for five or ten minutes every day and like that's going to pay off much more than just waiting till sunday and brushing your teeth for an hour and it's like i would much rather you do something that is representative to have something that's going to help you in a game every day and it doesn't have to be an hour this is something i try to establish my with my own children which, which just, is where I, I want to get to next which is let's try to 
present them with tools and technology and all these things, but like, let's just try to attack something every day. 20 minutes, 30 minutes, 40 minutes. You no, know, I don't structure. I, I try to give my kids a framework and then just allow them to organize themselves within. Here's the things I'd like for you to do today. Just go do them as well as you think you can. And I try to stay out of the way. But I want them not only to, to put the time into it because the skill is really hard, but to, to establish the habit of if you're going to accomplish something, especially hard things, it's just going to take the day to day to day to day time over time so that it that it compounds it just keeps compounding and building on it you know five minutes or saving five dollars a month doesn't seem like a lot but like you extrapolate that over five years you saved a bunch of freaking money a hundred percent so i want to end with one question to really help parents and and i think it's a it's a it's a two-part question obviously we've got parents like people who live in, in big cities like austin stuff like that where they're a lot of facilities and hitting coaches and, and facilities. So one, what can they do to make sure that if they're paying for a lesson, they are getting w- what their kid needs out of it. But part two, for those people who are a little bit more remote, I know like you're, you're not in the most populous city in the no. country. What are some of the things that they can do also in between those lessons to make sure they really are becoming good hitters obviously i think in whatever facility having a fundamental understanding of bat speed is super important you can always it doesn't matter if the if the coach that you're going to see is measuring bat speed or not you can put a bat you can put a swing sensor on your kid's bat and i think people the mistake that people make with sensors and technology in general is just think it's the answer for now and it's not necessarily the answer for today it's the answer that you'll see play out over time but if you were seeing somebody and again it's hard to it's hard to set a standard of what kind of improvement should i see in my bat speed but i know somewhat of what we see in the normal amount of time mm-hmm. and so if i didn't see an increase in bat speed which is like the most fundamental good metric that you can have in young players. If I didn't see a, a fundamental improvement in bat speed, I'd probably be out of there because again, what problem are we attacking? We can't. And there's a different problem we're solving at the younger levels yeah. versus once we're starting to get to the high school ages. And so, and even again, the amount of high schoolers that I see that are on a level of bat speed that they should be on is not a ton. And so making bat speed a priority, so that, that's I think one. every instructor should be attacking it as a first principle. Like we got to improve your bat speed, but yeah. the higher the bat speed, the more damage you can, you right. can potentially the do. More, and, and, the, and the better the you, you're, you're going to deliver power. Right. The longer you can wait to, to, to see the pitch deeper in the zone. Barry Bond's bat speed didn't get worse and, for whatever he did in those years, he didn't. He had played discipline already, but then he gives him more time to, to execute a swing because he's as strong as, as a horse. He was swinging it. He was laying off pitches that normal human beings would lay off. Of. But that's bad speed. You know, that's yep. that's visual skills and swing decisions and well, all these other things. But like, 
when you have more bat speed and your swing takes less time, it gives you more time to see the pitch. There's a lot of advantages to having plus bat speed. Yep. So that's number one. Number two, you just said, and I've I've heard what you're doing with your daughter as well, right? It's just seeing pitches. Yeah. Just is it attacking the central problem enough? The central problem of the pitches moving. I need to try to time the arrival of it in different ways. It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be perfect. I, I say all the time, there are parents that probably can't throw BP, but there's value in bad BP. There's value in kind of being inconsistent with the look that you give them because they have to develop timing mechanisms. They have to develop delays. They have to develop variability because you're not very good at throwing BP. You throw in some no-take rounds in there where you're going to be all over the place and they're going to have to try to find the barrel. Vlad Guerrero, Vladimir Guerrero Sr. stop. We mm-hmm. call them Vlad rounds. When we go no take rounds, it's Vlad rounds. Like you got to hit it if it bounces. You got to hit it if it's above your head. Like that's not optimal for a game. But again, it's, if we don't practice these things, then it's problem you got to take that. You got to take that hot zone that you see on ESPN, and we're trying to make that hot zone as big as possible. If it goes mm-hmm. outside the strike zone, even better, because again, it just gives you more bandwidth and more leverage to get knocks. Attacking the central problem would be number two, moving ball. Last tip, obviously you're training your own kids and you've got a daughter and and a son, different ages, and you're trying to help them improve their hitting. Obviously they're doing something at your facility, but what are two or three things that every parent could do right now that could help their kid, even if they didn't have a facility? to become better hitters? Throw your tee away, number one. Throw it away. Because I think, I don't, I think we talked about this before we got on here, but like back in the day, no, you brought it up earlier. Back mm-hmm. in the day, you threw the ball over yourself. And that's something that we do with our young players is get in there after we kind of get in front of the swing speed radar and swing fast and see how fast they can swing. Are you setting PRs in your swing speed? You can jump in there and Throw the ball up to yourself a few times. Little, Throw the ball. Self, self-talk. Yep. Which means, self-talk. We never had enough players when I was growing up. and there was So kids didn't pitch. It was yep. self-toss and defense. Yep. Throw the ball up and, and hit it. Again, if you want to see something that's bad, take a kid in 2022 and tell them to throw the ball up to themselves and hit it. Because it requires, again, it requires some precision because the ball is moving. It requires timing because they're not real good at throwing it up in the same spot and so they have to vary their timing and if they get good at it you can add in additional you can add in additional constraints of throwing it up throwing a tennis ball up and letting it bounce before you swing at it our future generation will not be able to do no for sure um second thing gosh uh throw your tea away the second thing is would be uh, i'm gonna go i'm gonna go tech for my choice tech yeah I, having some sort reality. Of measure, yeah having some sort of measurable feedback like objective like this is what it is and again there's in all the sensors no matter what you pick there's a lot of metrics in there that you can get lost on their importance but just think of it again just think of it as this is how we're going to gather information over time just throw it on there today 
much like what we do with a pulse sensor on your elbow or hit tracks, we're just gathering information over. Gather as much information as possible so you can make as informed decisions as possible. Doesn't make them, it doesn't make them mean they're going to be the right decisions, but it means that we have as much objective information as we can. You know, we're trying to gather in the gym. We're trying to do that with throwing readiness. We're trying to do that with, we're trying to do that with training hitters in creating different task challenges based upon information. Doesn't mean it's the right thing that we're doing. It just means that this is the way we're going to attack the information we have. It's just information gathering. I think that <laughs> of all the things that... It's easier to manage when you have information. It's but easier to come up with a hypothesis if you have information. Correct. But don't sell out for the wrong things either. The last one I'd end with, and I know you've done it for your daughter, I did it for Sammy as well, who wasn't seeing a lot of pitches. Get that win reality. Yep, 100%. The win reality was a big thing for us in transitioning because softball, where we live, there's not a lot of people. So getting her live at-bats was going to be tough, especially the amount of live at-bats she needed to just calibrate to a pitching motion, talking about swing readiness, every pitch, talking about swing decisions, every pitch, identifying balls and strikes. It was a huge thing for us. Is it a great, is it a perfect tool? No. Is it a great tool for everyone? No. But for a young developing player that just needs to see time pitches that needs to work on their swing readiness, you can talk about being ready to swing every pitch, but you're just talking about it. You're not they're not executing it and they're not I see coaches my, my kids play for coaches and I hear them talk to them and, and, and I'm in my mind I'm thinking that makes sense to you and I but they're not small versions of you and I they are kids they don't have cognitive they don't have problem solving skills they don't have emotional intelligence they don't have they don't have these skills so it's better if you can just stay out of their way and create as many things for discovery as possible. And when reality is a perfect tool for that, because you can talk about timing or you can talk about swing decisions, but like until you can get in the box and see it, it's just not going to, it's just going to make, make much sense to them. And 100%. that's how we execute a win reality. Perfect tool. Oculus win reality is amazing. If people want to see more of like what you're doing with your kids and some of the other stuff that you're doing, where can they track you down? I try to put out what we're doing videos on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, some. I get roasted. I'm actually going to make a video on YouTube maybe of reading TikTok comments on my videos because they are phenomenal. They are funny as all get out. But Twitter and Instagram, most people are there. See Long Baseball on Twitter and Instagram. I think everybody in the world's on Facebook. It's just hard to get to somebody on Facebook because they don't show it a lot. So unless you're on top of it, it doesn't fit maybe in the daily like algorithm, for lack of a better term. But yeah, you can find, just look my name up. You can look my, he was like, how do I find you? If you just look my name up everywhere podcasts yeah. 
Spotify, Apple, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, daily energy drinks, fun, whatever. Just try to be open and available. Chad, thank you so much for, for your time today. I know our community is going to love this. Yeah, man.